Welcome to another exciting episode of the Sales Transformation Podcast, brought to you by Ledium, the leader in outbound sales. Get ready to level up and transform your sales game with daily episodes from top sales experts. Today, we have a special guest joining us, sales expert Andy Paul, who will be sharing his insights on sales trends and win rates. But first, let's hand it over to our host, Colin Mitchell. We've got a special guest for you today. We've got Andy Paul back on the show. Always have a great time when we bring Andy Paul on the show. If you don't know who Andy is and you're in the sales world, I don't know what is wrong with you, but you need to pull your head out of your, you know what. Uh, Andy is a prolific uh, podcaster, author, and uh, been a mentor from afar for me. So I know that we're going to have a very action-packed episode. Andy, um, welcome to the show. Colin, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with you. It is, Um, it is. And it's even more fun when it's a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk somewhat frequently outside the podcast, but yeah, it's always good to talk on the record. Yeah, yeah. And I know I've gotten my fair share of good podcast advice uh, from you as well, uh, Well, because you've been doing this a while. Two while, two-way street there. I've gotten good advice from you as well. So we put out a good podcast. So love to have you back and talk about some of the things that are top of mind for you, Mm -hmm. talking about effective selling and uh, win rates, which clearly based on the data is something that teams are struggling with. I mean, what, what are the latest numbers that you've seen out there or, you know, from talking to sales leaders as far as like quota attainment and win rate and, and these sort of things that are just a challenge for so many people? Yeah, well, I mean, the data that exists isn't good in terms of trends, though, yeah, I, I think quota attainment's one thing, win rates are another. I mean, there's, unfortunately, people define win rates differently and... Mm-hmm. It's not always clear that there's a sort of a consistent definition, so you have the the context of of the data is clear. But yeah, quota attainment continues to fall. Um, that's a complex topic because it all gets into you know how are quotas set and so on. Yeah, win rates are are a little more clear cut if you're sort of honing in on a definition, saying, look, you know, if I have 10, 10 opportunities I was working and that closed this last month, and I won two of those, then my win rate was twenty percent. Right, so just sort of keep a very sort of simple definition, and in that sense, yeah, are the win rates falling. I mean, certainly there's anecdotal data saying that at this time and sort of economic downturn that that win rates are are falling, but um, they really shouldn't. There's no there's no obvious reasons why your win rates should fall. Certainly, a number of opportunities you're working may be falling because mm-hmm. you know there's less money out there. But if you're really, my contention is, and my experience has been, that if you're really executing a sort of disciplined process in terms of qualifying the people you're going to invest your time with, then win rates really shouldn't change. Yeah. Now, again, the, the, struggle wanna... is, the struggle is, do you have enough opportunities? But now, the one exception to that potentially is, is that, and again, I'll make the argument that it shouldn't be the case, is that there could be an increase in no decisions happening, you know, during a, a, you know, economic contraction or when, you know, times are tough, downturn, whatever we call this. But again, we could spend time arguing as whether that should be the case or not. And whether you should have chosen to invest the time in those companies that ultimately made that no decision. Now, I don't want to skate past something really important that you yeah, said. Let's get into it. Um, 
you said win rates shouldn't drop. Maybe you should, maybe the amount of deals you're working is less than it was previously, just based on current time. Yes. But you said if you're disciplined in the quality of people that you're spending time with, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning, and I think this is something that sellers, sales organizations struggle with a lot of letting a lot of deals get into the pipeline that shouldn't in the first place. Yes. Well, <laughs> it's, here's, it's here's, hard here's, to here's, here's, well, here's the bottom line for me. And it's always been this is that as a seller, you are making the choice to win or to lose. Mm. That's a right? hard truth for some to probably. So, know. and the choices, the actions that you take to help the buyer make their decision. Right, this buying experience. We know increasingly all the data is showing. And Gardner just came out with their report a couple of weeks ago at their conference. You know, the nine most important factors influencing the buyer's selection of a vendor. Not one of them had to do with the product or the price. It's about how they experience working with the seller and the seller's organization. Why is that the case? Because a competitive product at a competitive price is just table stakes these days. Yeah. And in so many segments, in the mind of the customer, there's so many vendors out there, they're all the same. They're all the same. They all basically do the same things. They all basically cost the same amount of money. So in that situation, in that environment, on what basis is the buyer making the decision? Well, Gartner came out with this data, and there's other data that other uh, similar you know, analyst firms and consulting firms have shown, is that it boils down to the experience that the buyer has with the seller. You mean it's not the features? In it's the not the features. Can you believe that? <laughs> Shocking. But the thing is, it's always been this way. Now, but the reasons, have, the reasons differ, but it's always been this way. I mean, my experience, and I've been in this business, you know, long, long, long time, is, you know, I was working for a lot of startups, growing teams. We were selling these really complex, very expensive communication systems, seven, eight, even nine-figure deals, right? Kapina gets, we were, we had some deals that were larger than our revenue as a company. And we were competing against these multi-billion dollar multinational corporations that could, you know, we were a rounding error in their revenue. How do we compete? Sometimes we didn't have a product. We just had something on paper that we were trying to, you know, mm-hmm. something innovative we were trying to sell. It wasn't the product. It wasn't the price. It was how we sold it, how we built credibility and trust with the buyer, how we connected with the, the various stakeholders. And I said we built that credibility and trust, how we got to the point where we really understood what was driving the decision on the part of the buyer, what was the most important thing for them to accomplish. That's how we competed and won. So yeah. this idea that, the product is, you know, has the primacy. It's really been outdated for decades, and but never more so than, than today. It's really about what you as a seller do to create a positive buying experience for your buyer. Now, why is it that more sales teams are not taking this into consideration when building their sales process? I try to stay positive when we talk about these things. I didn't think I stumped you. <laughs> You're just trying to be polite. <laughs> yeah. It's because people just aren't thinking about it. Again, the way I, I use the word choice. I mean, 
again, success in selling boils down to the choice. Am I making the choice to do the things that I said that, that create the buying experience of the buyer, that help them make the decision? And that's the differentiation. It's not the product, it's not the price, it's the seller. And I think that's great news for sellers. I think that's fantastic news for sellers, right? We can't control the product, we can't control the features, we can't control the price, but I have control over what I do. I have control over the connection I make with the buyer and the various stakeholders. I've, I have control over the credibility and trust and trustworthiness that I'm able to develop with the buyer. I have control over the questions I ask. You know, I have control over you know, being intentional to make sure that every time I interact with the buyer, I'm delivering something of value that helps them make progress toward making a decision. You know, so they're getting a return on the time they invest in me. That's all up to me. I control all of that. So yeah. to me, this is, this, is, you know, this is like nirvana for sellers, is that you're in control of your own success if you make the right choices and the right, operate the right level of, level of intent, excuse me, when you interact with your buyers. Now, sometimes that right choice, choice might be realizing we are not the best option for you. Absolutely. So, and, you know, another way to sort of phrase this, I'm sorry to interrupt, to jump on that, was just that, is that when you're thinking about, okay, yeah, I can invest my time with this particular prospect, did I really have a chance of winning? Mm. I mean, you have to be very pragmatic about these things because you have a limited amount of time, right, to invest as a seller. So you have to, again, expect the idea of choice. You have to choose wisely and not just, you know, accept everybody that comes into your pipeline and say, yeah, I'm going to sell to you. As I like to say, as you as the seller, you need to envision yourself like being the bouncer at the head of the velvet rope people wanting to get into the club. You choose who gets into your club. Just because yeah. they're lined up outside waiting to get in doesn't mean they get in. Just because marketing sending you leads and they say, oh, this is a you know, marketing qualified lead. Yeah, so what? It's your choice. It's your career. It's your time. You make the choice. Yeah, and, and as a seller, that could be spending more time with people that have better deal velocity. It could be spending you know, more time with less people, right? As Absolutely. a seller, you get to choose what's the right choice for you. But I think that the big problem that, that I think, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is I don't even know if a lot of sales organizations have really great, well-defined disqualification criteria. They don't. In my experience, most don't, right? And... You know, they, they leave it up to the seller and there's pressures on the sellers, we know, because especially now, you know, when times are a little bit harder, is you tend to see a little bit more, I'll say it nicely, you know, panic selling, if you will, uh, desperate, desperation driven selling, right? Yeah. And that leads to, yeah, well, I'm going to talk to this person I wouldn't normally talk to, but I'm going to talk to him because I need something. And, and that's, that's problematic. Right, because that creates this vicious cycle of you know you're taking bad leads and you get bad results and then you get desperate and you start talking to more bad leads and it just sort of continues to fuel itself. So at some point, when I use the word discipline up front, is again this is a choice you make as a seller, and you have to be conscious 
of everything you're doing and what, what, you know, sort of monitor the results of the steps you take. You know, I have a big advocate for, you know, continual experimentation in your sell, personal selling processes to really understand what really is working, but you need to really understand what those are and then, you know, improve upon them rather than just sort of accept that this is sort of my lot in life that I'm being deluged with these leads coming in for marketing and, uh, yeah, I'll talk to them. Or, you know, my SDRs are feeding me these leads. They say they're qualified, and every time I get them, it's like, yeah, they're not really qualified, right? Right. But we feel pressure. But, again, as a seller, it's it's ultimately up to you. It's your career. No one cares about your success as much as you do. So if you find yourself distracted by poor quality opportunities, disqualify them. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it and that you didn't forget to subscribe and share so that we can help more people transform the way they sell.